What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, February 19th, 2024. Larry Johnson joins us now. Larry, thanks very much, as always. Before we get into the uh, Israelis and uh, Lebanon uh, and uh, Ukraine and the fall of Avedika, I just want to ask you a question or two about Alexis uh, Navalny. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you believe that he was... um, an asset of uh, Western intelligence? Uh, yes. Uh, he was at least, whether witting or unwitting, he was clearly a tool used by the West. And in, in fact, you know, the fact his death coincides with his wife showing up at this major uh, meeting, the Munich Security Council meeting, I believe. And, you know, that's not a coincidence. That didn't just, they just didn't get lucky. Uh, I couldn't. I could not rule out the possibility that the West paid somebody off to do a Jeffrey Epstein on the guy. You know, uh, get you know, have him die at this inappropriate at this time that would be inconvenient for Putin, because the notion, you know, the West is pushing this nonsense that oh, Putin had him murdered, and Putin could have killed him years ago, didn't. And it'd be one thing if this guy was a leading philosophical thinker and talking about. Uh, you know, pick your pick your topic: freedom, the rights to vote, uh, uh, free speech. He wasn't. And, and in fact, there's video of him out there saying, you know, some very racist things and talking about, you know, talking about Muslims as cockroaches that need to be exterminated. So uh, this guy was just a useful tool, and he had very, very, very little political support. This this would be like saying that Joe Biden was going to whack Marianne Williamson, you know, one of the third-party candidates that's running. She's, you know, an uh, interesting lady, but certainly doesn't have any kind of political base or support that would make her worthy of somebody uh, killing her. Were but, you, but this uh, whole so... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, this whole Navalny affair is just a reminder of the, the staggering hypocrisy that grips the world. You know, the the United States, we were founded on this document that said we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. But when it comes to this, no, no, Navalny's more equal than Gonzalo Lira. Navalny's more equal uh, than Julian Assange. Uh, Navalny's more equal than uh, Ashley Babbitt, who was murdered in the Capitol by uh, an element of the U.S. government. And, oh, yes, Navalny is definitely worth more than, than, you know, 
8,000 Palestinian children who are dead. So, I mean, when I, when I watch politicians like Lindsey Graham and others get up on their moral high horse to denounce, oh, we got to deal, deal with Russia, go deal with Netanyahu first. He's the one murdering civilians, women, and children. And, but it shows we just don't care. You, uh, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about the radical, in a good way, I was going to ask you in a, about the radical differences in the West treatment uh, of the death of Gonzalo Lira in, uh, in prison. Of course, an American yeah. citizen, uh, as opposed to uh, about which you, you, you see no official government reaction. A cut number four, Chris. Here's um, President Biden, I think on Friday, uh, being asked about uh, the death uh, of Alexei Navalny and Biden's relationship uh, to Vladimir Putin. You warned Vladimir Putin when you were in Geneva of devastating consequences if Navalny died in Russian custody. What consequences should he and Russia face? That was three years ago. In the meantime, they faced a hell of a lot of consequences. They've lost and or had wounded over 350,000 Russian soldiers. They've made them in a position where they've been subjected to great sanctions across the board, and we're contemplating what else could be done. But the, the, what we were talking about at the time, there were no actions being taken against Russia. And that, look, all this transpired since then. Well, we know what his sanctions have done. They've made Russia financially independent and actually more prosperous. That the, the, Those numbers are measurable and uh, and not uh, and not disputed. Right, right. But any opportunity to blame Putin that uh, uh, that he can. Uh, the other thing I want to mention to you before we get into the news of the of the day is that um, tomorrow is the final either the final hearing or the revelation of the final ruling on Julian Assange's efforts to uh, avoid extradition. Uh, to the United States. Um, am I right that the British uh, judiciary will just be poodles uh, to what the U.S. wants? So there was a time when they had yeah. the most fiercely independent judiciary in history would stand up to the king and to parliament, but no longer. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're so thoroughly politicized. The, the only new development in this is the government of Australia under a new conservative prime minister has spoken out and spoken out strongly about the need to release Assange. So they are at least asserting the rights. Of the, they're, they're stepping up and doing something for Assange that the Biden administration did not do for, say, Gonzalo Lira. So I, I think that may be the, the, wild fat, the wild card in this that could, uh, in fact, influence the decision. Uh, yesterday, the uh, Israeli cabinet voted unanimously, so that includes what few self-characterized moderates there are in the cabinet, uh, to reject the concept of a, uh, a two-state uh, solution, uh, to reject uh, any uh, freedom for or governmental recognition of uh, the Palestinians. So where is this going to go to? Is this going to result in some sort of a, a bloody confrontation or is Netanyahu oh. going to get his country from the river to the sea? Well, it's, it's already a bloody confrontation, but uh, Israel, Israel is going to invade Lebanon. Uh, I, I heard from uh, one of my 
one of my buddies, a retired CIA officer uh, who has been in touch with somebody who knows. And he said, with, with no doubt, uh, Israel's made the decision. They're going to invade southern Lebanon. Uh, you know, the, the rational part of me says, I hope to God they don't do that because it will lead to the destruction of Israel. But I understand how people, there are some people out there that feel, wait, if Israel does this, it will end up destroying them? Great, let them do it. Because Israel is, it's this combination of arrogance and hubris. Uh, they, they've, con- and it's born out of insecurity. You know, you, you've, you've dealt with those people who are so insecure that they're always bragging about themselves. You know, oh, I can do that. And, you know, and so here's Israel insisting, oh, we got the best military in the Middle East. No, they don't. Uh, they have one, they have probably the most brutal, undisciplined, unprincipled military in the Middle East, as has been demonstrated by their repeated killing of civilians, women, children, without any regard. They attack, routinely attack hospitals and uh, pre- members of the press. And they and they get away with labeling them. Oh, they're all, they're terrorists. Everybody's a terrorist. So as long as they're a terrorist, as long as you declare them an enemy of the state, which was exactly the the habit of the Soviets back in the bad old days of the Soviet Union. As long as you let, hang the label of enemy of the state on somebody, then you can do whatever you want to them. But uh, yeah, Israel Israel is going to uh, escalate this, and Hezbollah is in a position. They're they're an organized army. They've got very heavily defended uh, defensive positions, uh, almost equivalent to what uh, uh, the Russians built, as we knew as the Surovikan lines in in southern Ukraine. And uh, they have long-range missiles that up to this point they have not used or used routinely on cities that are far away from the border, the northern border. And and they will use them, and all, all of a sudden... Israeli citizens, they, they, they moan, oh, we're always under rocket attack, but they rarely cause casualties. Whatever casualties they cause are minimal. I think that will change. If Israel launches this invasion of southern Lebanon, they're going to be looking at mass casualties in Israel. Um, have the IDF attacks, the pinprick attacks into southern Lebanon, um, weakened Hezbollah at all. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. No, no. Well, just to the contrary, it's 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 redoubled. You know, Hezbollah, I think, is now they're they're more than ready for the fight. And uh, the the sort of the political leader of Hezbollah, Nasrallah, uh, made a speech uh, on last Friday, 
and uh, you know, very clear that they they're now moving towards it's escalating, and it's going to continue to escalate, and they're going to use whatever uh, weapons are at their disposal to make sure that the Israelis do not return to their settlements in the north, and if and if necessary, invade Israel and force the Israelis out. I mean, it's you know, it's getting to that stage because Israel's brutality against civilians is. I mean, it really, we, we haven't seen this level of brutality by a military force against unarmed civilians since the Nazis entered into uh, Eastern Europe. What is uh, Hezbollah's uh, escalatory capability? Uh, they have both anti-ship missiles that can be launched at U.S. ships offshore, and they have long-range ballistic missiles uh, that can hit cities uh, you know, as far south as uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, I doubt that if they target Jerusalem, they'll only put target parts of Jerusalem that uh, not, not where the Dome of the Rock is, where, where the mosque, the Al-Aqsa sits. Are we talking about tribesmen <clears throat> and flip-flops, or are we talking about no, no. a sophisticated, uh, armed, well-equipped, and trained military? Yeah, we're, we're talking about a well-equipped, trained military. They, they transitioned. And, and really, that transition was underway uh, more than almost 20 years ago. In 2006, Israel launched an invasion of southern Lebanon, thinking that they would easily roll up the Hezbollah forces, clear, cleanse the area, create a buffer zone. The opposite happened. Uh, Hezbollah was fighting from entrenched positions, jumping out of spider holes, hitting them with uh, RPGs, rocket-propelled grenade, uh, grenades, and anti-tank guided missiles. Uh, they caused significant uh, casualties to the Israeli, both in terms of personnel and equipment, and Israel ultimately withdrew. They could not hang. They couldn't complete the operation. Now, Israel went back and said, oh, yeah, boy, we beat them. <laughs> no, they didn't. And all I can say is in the intervening now uh, 18 years, since 2006, Hezbollah has only gotten stronger with more military personnel, with more trained military personnel, and unlike the Israelis, who are largely a reserve army that are very, very, very poorly trained, uh, Hezbollah is not that. Uh, the ones that are serving within Hezbollah are full-time, and it, it, it's, they're, not, they're not the part-time citizen soldier. Um, earlier today in the uh, International Court of Justice, the Palestinian Authority made a presentation uh, to the court on what it says is Israel's uh, illicit, immoral, uh, under international law, unlawful uh, acquisition of land that belonged to the Palestinians. I think we all know this argument, but I want to play it for you because this particular uh, argument shows maps uh, of the area of what was once Palestine and is now Israel and at the end of it, I'm going to ask you if if this is an argument that resonates with the billion, with a B, uh, Arabs. So here's cut number 13, Chris. Allow me now to show you five maps. The first one is historic Palestine. This is the territory over which the Palestinian people should have been able to exercise their right to self-determination. Instead... The General Assembly recommended the partition of Palestine, ignoring the will of our people 
as shown in the second map. With the Nakba that ensued, over two-thirds of our people were systematically and forcibly expelled by Israel. And three-fourths of Palestine became Israel, as shown in the third map. This was the start of the Nakba, the disposition, the displacement and replacement of our people, the denial of rights and discrimination that continues to this very day. In 1967, Israel then occupied the remainder of Palestine and from the first day of its occupation started colonizing and annexing the land with the aim of making its occupation irreversible. It left us with a collection of disconnected pantustans, preventing the independence of our state, as shown in Map 4. Israel wanted the, uh, the geography of Palestine, but not its demography. So it kept pushing our people out, out of their homes, out of their land. Here is the fifth map. It was displayed by Israel's Prime Minister to the General Assembly last September. He called this the New Middle East. This is no, there is no Palestine at all on this map. Only Israel, comprised of all the land from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. This shows you what the prolonged, continuous Israeli occupation of Palestine is intended to accomplish the complete disappearance of Palestine and the destruction of the Palestinian people. The complete disappearance of Palestine and the destruction of the Palestinian people. I thought it was a very effective presentation, Larry. Is this um, argument one largely embraced by those now outraged by the slaughter in Gaza? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's intellectually correct but it really doesn't change the dynamics on the ground. Israel is intent on destroying the Palestinian people, and they don't care whether it's women or children or elderly. They don't care. Uh, they will, uh, people with mental handicaps, they'll kill them too, just like Hitler killed Jews with mental handicaps. I, I can't emphasize enough, and I know that Netanyahu got very upset uh, with Brazilian President Lula da Silva. But the Silva is absolutely correct. What did, what did the Silva say that upset Netanyahu? He, he likened he likened what Israel's doing to what the Nazis did to the Jews, and I think I, I fully embrace that and endorse it. That's absolutely what's going on. This is this is not punishing those who carried out the attacks. This is collective punishment. This is punishing them because they're Palestinian, and yet. If you lined up an Israeli, a native-born Israeli, with a native-born, quote, Palestinian, they're genetically the same. You can't tell them apart. But, but it's this kind of, uh, this hatred that's been engendered where uh, these radical Zionists have uh, decided that the only way for them to, quote, survive is to destroy the Palestinians. But it's, it's sort of the Hegelian dialectic at work. That very act of trying to destroy the Palestinians is, in fact, I believe, going to end up destroying Israel. They will destroy themselves because they will have abandoned their moral foundation. 
Does, is there anybody who would make that argument to Netanyahu or is his uh, war cabinet and his government uh, fully behind this? Surely there must be some IDF generals saying, you know, Mr. Prime Minister, this is crazy. Do you have any idea how strong uh, these forces are that you want us to attack? Oh, no. In fact, it's just the opposite. Um, Mariv, uh, which is a polling outfit in, in Israel, conducted a poll the other day. Uh, almost three-fourths of the of the Israelis say, oh, yeah, we want to invade southern Lebanon. Uh, you've got General Halivi, who's the, the head of the Israeli army. He was talking about doing he, he He announced that they were going to be invading uh, back in January. No, no, these, the, Judge, these people are not rational. They're not... They're not thinking with any kind of vision down the road. They are just obsessed with, we got, this is our one chance to eliminate the Palestinians. They don't care whether they're Muslims or Christians. Uh, they lump them all as Hamas, even though there was a sizable minority of Palestinians who are Christian and had nothing to do with Hamas. The Israelis don't care. That's why uh, they're engaged with this widespread murder that's why they're preventing the arrival of humanitarian aid. That's why they're bombing hospitals and uh, targeting ambulance drivers, medical personnel, and journalists. It is uh, it is an outrage to humanity. But they're getting they're get, so far they're getting away with it. Do you think any Western uh, countries will intervene with force in order to put a stop to this? Are they just like Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak going to send money and materiel and sit back and wring their hands, but do nothing to stop it? They do nothing. They're going to, in fact, enable it. Uh, they are doing, they have the, the United States in particular has the wherewithal to stop it, but the United States is bought and paid for by Israel to the American-Israeli Political Action Committee. And so as long as, long as uh, you know, the United States is you know, behaving like a prostitute, it's been paid for services, and it's rendering said services. Switching gears back to uh, <clears throat> Ukraine, uh, over the weekend, and more, more properly, last week was the Munich uh, conference. We talked about the coincidence of Navalny uh, expiring while his wife was at the uh, conference, but there were members of the U.S. Congress there, hand wringing and almost in tears, uh, telling an anecdote about a Ukrainian soldier uh, looking at his uh, cell phone every hour to see has the House of Representatives voted yet? Have they voted to send us the sixty-one billion yet? I think <laughs> last week on the roundtable, yeah. you and uh, Ray explained that even if that $61 billion were to be signed into law tomorrow, it's too little too late. Do you, right. still, feel, well, do you still feel that way? Is all this nonsense that Senator Whitehouse and Senator Graham and, and, and Mike Turner, the chair of the House uh, Intelligence Committee, that they all went through and fawning over Mrs. Navalny and fawning over uh, uh, Vladimir uh, Zelensky, is all of this an act? Yeah, yeah, no. <clears throat> uh, even if they allocated that money, so what would that money be used for? Well, it would probably a bulk of it would go to U.S. military industrial corporations that would be tasked with trying to produce more artillery shells, 155 millimeter artillery barrels uh, for the for the artillery pieces themselves, uh, HIMARS, 
maybe uh, buy some more vehicles, upgrade some tanks. But who's going to use them? You got just because you buy that equipment and assume that you can deploy it. This this not going to be deployed and available, even if they you know pass the the bill today today and Biden signed it into law tomorrow. Uh, none of that equipment would be arriving uh, within six months, and you still would not have trained competent personnel. So that would then leave uh, the NATO countries with only one other option. They put their own personnel in there to operate it. And there are now reports emerging that Western uh, military personnel have been sheep-dipped, are being presented as mercenaries, but they're still really active duty folks. And they're the ones in operating their artillery pieces and trying to operate the air defense system. But they made a bad choice because Russia's killing them too. Uh, In fact, you could see in some of the, uh, one of the videos showing uh, the Ukrainian soldiers fleeing, retreating from uh, Avdiivka. Guy wearing a U.S. Uh, flag on his helmet. Ooh, so that, that meant you had a U.S. soldier there. Wow. Uh, what Chris ran before, I didn't realize what it was. Chris, run it again, please. The B-roll. Uh, so this is Rafa. Uh, Palestinians attempting to approach relief trucks. Israeli soldiers shooting at them. They're obviously unarmed. Shooting at them, killing them as they're trying to approach these trucks to get food, water, and medicine. Sure. It's exactly Um, what you just described uh, to us, Larry. Yeah. This is, you know, this is reminiscent of that uh, U.S. Army officer during the Indian Wars who referred to the Indians on the eve of the Wounded Knee Massacre as Nitz make lice. So they saw, they, they disparaged the, uh, uh, the Native uh, American uh, Aboriginal tribes as, again, subhuman. As, as long as you can, you know, it's, it's, it's a psychological thing with human beings. As long as you can convince yourself that you're dealing with something that's not a someone, something that does not feel, that's not even worthy of consideration, yeah, it's easy to kill them. And do that's you, exactly what Israel's doing. Do you agree that uh, the uh, resistance to Israel will eventually comprise more than just Hezbollah because other um, either militia leaders or even state government leaders in the area will not be able to resist the pressure uh, from the ferocious uh, anger that uh, the Arab uh, peoples have to what's happening in Gaza to do something about it. Once the, once, the, only way to, once uh, yeah. the IDF and, and Hezbollah are engaged. The only way to reverse the trajectory of events right now is to have a diplomatic front open. Well, the United States has no credibility any longer for opening such a diplomatic front and in, instead has reverted to you know, being like that three-year-old with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, so they're just hammering everything. So we keep using military force, and to what what effect? Particularly in Yemen. You know, we're now going on the third month of this uh, uh, operation that was so loudly announced by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin in December. That all oh, Operation Guardian, Freedom, whatever it's called, we're gonna we're gonna reopen the Red Sea. <laughs> How's that working out? It's not. Uh, the Houthis continue to attack. 
There are reports that uh, members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Command, the IRGC, are now on the ground acting as advisors to some of the Houthis. It wouldn't surprise me. Of course, we're going to be outraged about that. That is, uh, that shouldn't happen. Meanwhile, we say nothing about our own military forces in countries illegally, without the permission of those host governments, doing the same kind of thing. So we don't see the hypocrisy of it, but the rest of the world does. And the rest of the world takes the attitude, at least the non-Western world, they take the attitude, hey, if they can do it, we can do it. And Where's we're the American uh, State Department uh, in in all of this? I mean, Netanyahu's government would collapse because uh, Smotrich and uh, Ben Gavir and their colleagues would leave the coalition if if Netanyahu engaged in any significant uh, diplomacy uh, with uh, Antony Blinken, leading towards any type of relief. Never mind st- yeah. recognition as a government, but any type of relief for the Palestinians. It still would not alter Israel's policy of exterminating the Palestinians. Even the opposition uh, leader, Gantz, uh, Benny Gantz, uh, is not necessarily opposed to the Netanyahu policies. He's uh, uh, opposed to some how they're implemented in some form or fashion. But the overall objective of securing Israel against any kind of Palestinian threat attack is a top priority. You know, that's why the the attack on October 7th came out of uh, Gaza. It didn't come out of the West Bank. And yet in the West Bank, the Israelis are intent, uh, (coughs) excuse me, they're intent on destroying and killing and arresting Palestinians who had nothing to do with October 7th. So, the, the principle that has un, we, we once thought would undergird U.S. law, that you only arrest and punish those who are responsible for a crime where you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they did it. You can't just say, yeah, they're guilty, and then use the power of the state to impose punishment without due process. But when it comes to the field of foreign affairs, that principle goes right out the window. You know, that's what would that's what could make the United States a difference in the world. If the United States would uphold that concept of, hey, we're going to promote due process. We're going to promote only punishing those uh, who are responsible. And we're going to ensure that we're not punishing the innocent. But the United States has abandoned that principle. Thank you very much, Larry. Tough stuff, but thanks very much for your uh, analysis. We'll look forward to the uh, roundtable with you and Ray towards the end of the week. Great. Thanks, Judge. Have a great week. You too. Uh, Coming up at 3 o'clock this afternoon, Kyle Anzalone on, do you believe this? The IDF now says it doesn't think it can defeat Hamas. Just what Larry and Ray and Colonel McGregor and Scott Ritter and Matt Ho and the others have been telling us. Three o'clock today. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>